This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features interviews and a recap of our experiences at CiderCon 2023 in Chicago, Illinois. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. Dawn, I can't believe CiderCon was just a couple of days ago. I know, it went by very quickly. It did, and I'm still trying to thaw out. Me too. Chicago was cold. Very cold. However, being inside the Hilton with all those cider goers and cider practitioners and cider makers, that kept us warm, didn't it? It sure did. So talk about some of the highlights of the event for you. What stood out now that you've had some time to think about it or some of those things you were in the moment for? Well, I think just Chicago itself, even though it was really cold, just it was a really cool vibe, which I liked. The Hilton, as you said, there it was just like a very elegant location and it was just so elegant and professional um it was one it it just kind of really stood out to me food was amazing even the cider share it was just kind of overwhelming but exciting you know just uh you know all the things that we got to taste all the the cideries and cider makers that were there so the cider share is two and a half hours of a lot of wonderful cider makers throughout the country and I believe Canada who were sharing their ciders. And there's a wide variety, dry and sweet and fruit and ice ice and barrel-aged ciders. And I think overall, yeah, there's a lot of laughter and people really enjoying these amazing ciders, as you pointed out. What I have taken even from not just the cider share, the bottle share, but also the whole event is how much even through the last year cider has gotten better. The quality, the, 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 the apple varietals, what is being introduced seems to have gotten better. And that's just my opinion. No, I agree. I think so too. And there was just so many different varieties of things that I don't remember tasting before. You know, just different flavors and spices. and. Here's the thing. And this is some of what I was thinking about during you know, just the the plane ride home. And you and I have talked about it walking around Chicago. And it seems to be that from this cider con that, you know, I, I keep thinking in my head, why not cider? In other words, when you go out and you're looking for an adult beverage option, why not cider? There was a lot of discussion. We went to a number of the classes and that featured, you know, ways of tasting, ways of nosing. And there were a lot of industry classes that focused on the business side of cider, the projection of cider versus wine. And I think, yes, cider versus wine, but maybe even cider versus beer. If you're going out, why not cider? Why, if you're making a wonderful meal at home and you're grabbing a bottle of wine, why not grab a bottle of cider? Because there were ciders that we had over the course of two and a half days, which for some people, would you say, were you drinking wine or cider? Because they're that there were, complex. Yeah, there were some that were even similar to that. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the ciders, you can definitely, I think a lot of them would go great with food. And they're just so light. I mean, when you're talking about like cider versus beer, you know, you can have one beer and feel so heavy, but we have like three or four ciders and still not feel so like bloated and, you know, buzzed. There's another focus, another reason. Why not cider? You know, 
I'm not saying that it has to be your everyday drink or it's going to, it's always going to be your go-to. But I think when we look at where the cider industry is at and growing, now that the cider producers are making even better cider, why not cider? I agree. Now, we talked about that were there a number of classes we took. We took six classes all together. Most of them were either learning how to taste or learning the, you know, the, you know, comparing, let's say, the, the terroir, uh, you know, whether it was a Virginia-based cider or New York-based mm-hmm. cider, uh, an Oregon-based cider, Michigan-based. I mean, there were a lot of representations of different regions of the United States and a lot of great discussion. That was fascinating. And, you know, with the classes, again, you get to hear so many diverse perspectives um, we, we took one class on, was it orchard management or? Yes. Yeah. Or, or farm or I think it had more to do with the orchards or the farms. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we learned a lot just from that class about the growing of the trees, the growing the trees and apples and um, planting, you know, where, where to plant, how to plant grafting. So that was, that in itself was a very educational experience for a cider drinker. And I thought, and I felt, and I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about the trade show and the individual representations of businesses that were there. Well, I think there was a good variety. Um, you know, I think for, you know, people starting out to, you know, cider makers that have been there. I mean, we bumped into, you know, people that have been making cider forever and are looking to advance their technology. So that was one of the, you know, one of the great things about the trade show. Well, you said starting out. And I think in the beginning, and I'll review this part soon about, you know, the keynote and opening up CiderCon. But when they asked people to raise their hands, I would say maybe almost 50% of those that were there were first-time attendees. And many people we spoke to don't own a tap room yet or don't own a cidery yet. Maybe they're home cider makers or even those that are just curious and want to, as you pointed out, you know, where where can I find cider apples and growers and um, fruits and equipment and yeast and barrels and all the, there's a whole smorgasbord, uh, cans and, um, you know, tap handles. So there is, there is really a lot of information, and a lot of resource that were represented. Plus you had the Michigan Cider Association and they have this refrigerated dispensary of just wonderful Michigan based ciders. And, you know, that was where everybody seemed to convene oh, when course. they wanted to break. But, the, you know, it wasn't just, you know, hey, we, we, we found a place where there's alcohol being served. We found a place where we can really enjoy these ciders and have and Perry's as well. And have and great conversations. Have wonderful, great conversations. Yeah. I, I, overall, we, you know, we, we can't wait to see Portland 2024. That's where CiderCon will be, Portland 2024. And again, see how far the... Cider world expands to. Yeah, maybe some of these new cider makers will already have a location and be starting to make their ciders. Yeah, and, and California had some floods and, and or heavy rain the prior week, and uh, you know we we just uh, send um, you know send good wishes and prayers and um, I, I guess you know when you look at you know, orchards, you know, you want healing for them. The, 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 those that lost some of their trees or, you know, part of their orchard, you know, we, we, you know, speedy, you know, a speedy recovery in that way. Um, we know that two broads, I reached out to them and they're out of California. They weren't in attendance. And I saw some photos on uh, Facebook that um, some of the orchards and that stuff that they planted, uh, you know, were, were a little bit devastated. Mm-hmm. So to those orchards and that, that experienced those heavy rains, you know, get back to where you were, continue to produce those great uh, ciders that you're you're making. Yeah, and absolutely. And hopefully we'll get to see you next year. We'll see you next year. But what I want to talk about next is just reviewing some of the opening remarks and how the CiderCon was kicked off. Thursday morning kicked off the event, the convention itself. Although the days prior, there were meetings and some welcoming for new CiderCon goers. And then we talked about 
the Wednesday evening was the bottle share, the cider share. Thursday morning, we had Eleanor Leger, who's president of the Cider Association, kick off and open up CiderCon. And then Michelle McGrath spoke about celebrating a decade of the Cider Association. And I think part of what I took out of her presentation was that this was a gathering and this was a place to grow and strategize, connect and reignite passions. And that, I believe, set the tone for the event, that this was the idea that she wanted people to have in their mind as they moved about CiderCon. She also focused on the challenges and things of the last couple of years. This was the first time that they were back in Chicago, I think since 2019. Mm -hmm. Last year was in Richmond, but then there were either virtual things prior to that. But this is the first time they were back in to Chicago. And she talked about and, you know, referenced the challenges of the cider industry, inflation, supply chain issues, and, you know, short-staffed. As cider drinkers, these are things that Well, we don't necessarily see all those challenges of the business, but we're familiar with the fact that we know they're challenged. Sometimes we'll go into tap rooms and we may, you know, see a lot of people hustling, but they're short staffed. And or, you know, we see bottles change, you know, from what we're used to from that cider maker. So they are still dealing with some of those uh, challenges in the cider industry. She challenged us, or I think she challenged the members of CiderCon to find solutions together and have real conversations and foster communities. And I will tell you that I really believe that the essence of that was there when we talk to people and you hear people talking in the halls and you hear people talking in classes. I think they really embraced the idea of coming together and fostering that community. Now, We touched on this. Half the attendees were there for the first time Mm -hmm. in that room. Half the attendees. So either these are people in the last couple of years that have come to the cider industry or this was, you know, geographically convenient for them to get to Chicago. I love the way she said, we're serious about apples, but not serious. And I think there's a tendency or there can be that when you're making cider or making anything, you get very serious about it. And... Yes, you can be serious about apples. And I think that because that's that's the medium, right? right. Without apples or pears or other fruit, but, you know, anything that... create what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love the idea where she said, we're serious about apples, but not serious. She also touched on that today there are 1,060 commercial cideries, and that's up 9% from pre-pandemic levels. I mean, she threw a lot of numbers and I couldn't write fast enough. And, and cider as, as a, as a segment, in other words, you know, comparing it to wine or beer or, you know, those adult beverages, cider is the highest index segment in many demographics. So we're talking age, we're talking location, and we're talking up against different kinds of beverages. What that tells me is cider's growing. Cider's growing in popularity. And that's why I touch back on, you know, why aren't you drinking cider? Why aren't more people drinking cider? I feel that when you have that experience, it will be something that you'll order or look for more often to buy. And I think the next level has to be when we go back to conversations and having real conversations and fostering community, it really has to be about those touch points, those Points of connection, whether you're going out to a restaurant or a bar or somewhere where you're going to find that they're selling cider, that those people are educated and excited about bringing cider to that consumer and introducing something or helping them find their new favorite. Michelle came back to Eleanor Leger and Eleanor asked a wonderful question where she said, who am I making this cider for? And I think the idea is, as we get back to, or as the cider makers get back to where they're producing, it's a good question to say, who am I making this cider for? I, I think it helps to helps you figure out on how that you're going to run your business mm-hmm. and, and, and the focus and point of that mission statement that may sometimes get lost. Sunny Gandora was the keynote after Michelle really introduced where things were going with the Cider Association. And 
Really what Sunny touched on is cider opportunities in a plant-curious market. She shared a lot of facts and figures and really introduced the perspective of for cider makers and those in commercial cideries to think about those vegan customers, those looking for more of a vegan option. And that's not just in the cider, but in the foods that you pair with cider at your tap house and making sure that if you're going to be entertaining or focusing on being available with those organic and vegan ciders that you really stick to it and you find those options that are going to work because, you know, she really, I believe, communicated the serious level that those vegan consumers want in the providers of cider and, and, and all things across the board. So some of that I found to be fascinating. And then, you know, everybody went their own separate directions. And we went to classes and we, you know, went to the trade show and Cider Share and, you know, all those things. The next part of what we're going to share with you is a wide range of conversations that we had with the attendees at CiderCon. So enjoy these conversations and we can't wait to see you next time on our fermented adventure. Cheers. Cheers. Steena Booth. Yes. Booth Canyon Orchards. Yes. Stina, talk about your experience with CiderCon and, and, and what's CiderCon been like for you this year? Well, it's pretty overwhelming to be in a room with hundreds of other cider makers. Well, I'm not even a cider maker, but other apple growers. Um, I certainly feel like an imposter, but maybe we all feel that way because it's pretty overwhelming. I don't get that imposter syndrome at all today. You just <laughs> presented to about 60 people that were interested in gaining flavor from apples and, and, and orchard management. I didn't get that at all from you. Well, thank you. I feel pretty firm about uh, my work in orcharding. Uh, we're still making the transition to cider, and it's really exciting to be with so many people who are so passionate about cider. There's a ton to learn here. I can't wait for next year. What are, do, you, do you have any specific memories, anything that stands out? Well, I'm really looking forward to the pet nat session this afternoon. Um, I would love to take our cider in a more natural direction. Um, I went to the panel on reducing sulfites yesterday, which was fascinating. Um, my, my husband is really the cider maker, so I don't have all the context there. Um, but there's, there's a lot to learn. There were so many great examples of people that are going in a lower sulfite direction that it can be done. Um, and it would be fascinating to play around with that. Steeda, thank you for your time today. Thanks for... Uh expressing and sharing all your knowledge today. This was awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Rich. Pat Tramontano, Northeast Barrel Company. Talk about how CiderCon has been for you this year. Oh, it's been great. I mean, it was a busy show. Um, got a lot of traffic, talked a lot of barrels with people, um, introduced a lot of the Ambarana chips to some new customers. So it was a good, successful show. I was happy to be here. A little cold, but, you know, happy to be here. For those that are not familiar with the Ambarana Describe that a little bit. Uh, so it's a tree that grows in Brazil. They make barrels out of it for aging a rum called cachaça. Um, it has a really unique, interesting flavor profile. Lots of cinnamon, baking spice, graham cracker. Um, I think it's something that would do really well in hard cider. Um, we sell quite a bit to s distilleries and breweries, but I don't see a lot of cideries using it. So I think, you know, it's, some, it's a good idea for some cideries to start experimenting with it and stand out. Now you provide barrels, all kinds of different barrels. What are some of the conversations you're having with some of the cider producers of barrels they may be looking for? Uh, something interesting I learned, it seems that the cideries prefer the larger format casks. Um, some cideries are guessing that it has something to do with oxidation in the smaller format, that there's so much surface area on the wood. So the larger the cask, less surface area, and there's less oxidation. So it seems that the most successful cideries that are barrel aging their ciders the right way are using larger format casts. So it's interesting. It's something I'd like to research a little bit more and see if there's um, any truth to that. But uh, it appears, again, the 500 liter and larger casts are, are the way to go for barrel aging your cider. Pat, continued success. Thanks. Appreciate it. Chantal Wright, Peterson Farms. Peterson Farms. Talk about what CiderCon and the experience for you has been. I would say for us it's been very positive. Our customers have been here, so it's a chance to connect with current customers as well as potential new customers. So for us, this works. We're based out of Michigan, so to come to Chicago is not terribly far, even though I come from Oregon. 
Um, but it's, it's been a good experience. Everyone's very positive, they're well connected, and they're all working to help each other. So it's a really good vibe around the space. And it's a great time to see customers and potentials. They know what we do and they know where we are. All right. So for those that do not know what Peterson Farms is, talk about that. Okay. So we are a manufacturer processor of frozen fruits and juices and purees. So the reason we're here is our juice from concentrate as well as purees and not from concentrate juices. Cherry's big for us, tart cherry and dark sweet cherry, apple, of course, and blueberry. Are you able to share some maybe inside secrets about what some of these cider producers are asking for? What they're mostly asking for from us is what we produce, what our bricks level is, is they're making their batch and what they need to do for the sugar content, and of course, what sizes we ship in. So we go from a four-gallon pail up to a 55-gallon truck. So there's lots of opportunity and how to get it to them because freight's expensive and it's challenging. We have LTL availability, so we have lots of opportunity to help them, but that's what they're looking for. How do I get it and what does your juice look like with the bricks levels? Chantal, thanks so much for your time and have a successful CiderCon and all the things you're going to be doing next. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Cameron Black, Flex Tank. Thanks, Rich. What is Flex Tank? Well, it's interesting. Flex Tank evolved partly from the wine industry, and in, in a nutshell, it does everything a barrel can do. Holds liquid, microoxidizates, and when a barrel is new, it adds a little flavor. But the introduction into the uh, cider uh, craft beverage industry is a direct implant of technology that's designed specifically for craft beverage. Every fitting, every top, every every uh, opening, and how we use them has been looked at for craft beverage, and the, and the cider world loves us. Thank We're so good. happy to be here. Now, what are some of the options or benefits of using this tank versus, let's say, stainless steel or glass? Sure. Stainless steel has many advantages. One of the great advantages of stainless steel is that it has a, a bubbled outside jacket for cooling. Um, in, in the regions where apples are best grown, sometimes you don't need uh, cooling so much. So we fit right in in that sense. And, and to forward that... Our cost price point is probably a third of stainless steel. So uh, given an opportunity to grow your business and have advantages with different sizes that we have many more sizes than stainless steel. We have 30 different sizes. Stainless steel is kind of limited to certain certain smaller sizes. We really fit a niche for our growing, uh, growing your business. For 2023, what have been some of those conversations you've had? CiderCon here, some of the cider producers, what are some of those conversations you're having with people? Well, it's been quite nice here where post-COVID now we're looking at um, um, people looking over the horizon more. And what I see are three types of sales uh, uh, actions, people that know us, people who aspire to want to buy from us, and people have never heard of us. So featuring us at CiderCon really has fit three tight niches, and it's been wonderful. Cameron, thank you so much. Dave Selden, 33 Books. What is 33 Books Company? I make little notebooks that people use to take notes on cider and other things that they enjoy to try different ones. Now, here, you're here at CiderCon 2023. What have been some of those conversations you've been having with cider producers and those that are at the convention? I think everybody is looking to educate consumers about what they make. Cider is kind of a mysterious beverage to a lot of people. And so my stuff really fits that niche where it's training people to evaluate flavor and think about what they're tasting and not just drink it down. Um, so it's kind of a unique uh, opportunity in the cider market right now. I love that slow down and be present idea that you're providing. So you have these books that are more like tasting journals, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, everybody's got an app on their phone that they use to track you know, their flights or where their mail is coming from and stuff like that. Um, this, if you pull out an, an app in a bar, it like immediately shuts down the conversation. You're dipping into your Facebook or you're looking at your Instagram messages or you're reading your emails. A book that is purpose-built for this may seem like an anachronism in 2023, but it, I like it because it is analog and it, is, it allows you to stay in the moment and taste things. And writing something down rather than tapping it on your phone actually helps you remember it better too. And this is a great tool or a great opportunity for a bunch of cideries to get together and use this is a way to bring customers in and customers back, right? Totally. Yeah, a lot of people use it as a loyalty program on the bar side. So they'll sell the book to a customer, keep the book at the bar, and then the, every time the customer comes in, they fill out a new page or two or three, um, which works really well for the bar, obviously, because the customer's buying a lot of uh, product. But they're also learning about it, which is, which is a win for both people. 
if anybody is excited about this product as much as you are, <laughs> how do people find you? Yep, I'm on all the social medias, uh, 33 Books Co., um, and my website is 33books.com. Dave, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ian Merwin, Black Diamond Farm. Where is Black Diamond Farm? We are in between Cayuga Lake and the Seneca Lake and the Finger Lakes. What is your experience right now? We, we went to one of your discussions, and you're always fascinated. We loved hearing you when you were at Richmond last year. But, you know, what just some of the feedback you're getting or just some of your experience here at CiderCon 2023? Well, I think it's been a great session. Uh, I'm really pleased to see a lot more technical sessions, a lot more how to grow the fruit, how to make the cider. There's been some fabulous, uh, you know, fault detection, blending, so I, I think what's on offer here is the best of uh, the ones I've been to. I've probably been to seven of them. So, What have you learned or what have you, what will you take away from this CiderCon this year? Uh, mostly the cider chemistry and aromatics and valuation. I thought uh, Jan Gilles gave a great talk on aromatic expression in ciders. Um, then I, this morning there was a really good session on phenolics and faults in cider. And uh, I, I mean, I thought our session on the sensory analysis of different New York cider regions was pretty worthwhile too. And we had a good discussion afterward with people. And actually that's something I've liked this year, that most of the sessions have had more time for discussion, which has been great because there's always a wealth of knowledge of the people sitting in the chairs in the room. Uh, so. Ian, thanks for your time, and thank you for this short discussion. We're going to make it up to you guys one of these days and can't wait to... We're making a lot of good ciders in the Finger Lakes. If you haven't been there, you better get there. So, We have been up there, just we didn't make it over to visit, but we definitely want to now. Well, we're not going anywhere. As long as the trees are there, I'll be there. So, Thanks, Ian. Dave Clower, Alma Ciders. Talk about... I'm Dave Clower. This is Rich Shane. And we're here talking CiderCon 23. I've lost the podcast already. Dang. <laughs> Dave, what's your CiderCon experience been like this year? Oh, it's been such a great experience. Um, every year that I've come, uh, learning um, at these sessions, really educational, learning from all my fellow people in the industry, uh, all the networking that happens, meeting new people, and getting to trace um, so much great cider from around the country. How is that Scion share? Now, Scion share is, as you pointed out to me, is taking those cuttings from fruit trees, apple trees, right? And then everybody shares some different stuff. How was that for you today? Yeah, it was pretty neat. So we had a kind of a growers meetup, people from around the country, different regions. And um, people brought uh, some plant material to share. And so um, I brought some as well. And... Um, people were interested in stuff that I brought and I was able to get a couple of really cool uh, new uh, scion to graft when I get home so I'll have a couple of new kinds of trees. What are you taking away from CiderCon 2023? Some memories, some experiences, things you've learned? Um, lots of memories until last night. No, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, actually, um, yeah, made new friends, get to see old friends and um, Mostly uh, learning so I could make better product and elevate cider as a, as a general um, uh, beverage class. Dave, safe travels back home where you're making amazing cider. So thanks for doing that. Oh, thank you. Nice to see you guys. Mike Beck. Uncle John Cider. For those that are not familiar, talk about Uncle John Cider. Uh, well, we're a farm over in uh, central Michigan. Uh, we started making cider back in 02, and uh, we're uh, happy to be here. Uh, I represent also the Michigan Cider Association and the Great Lakes International Cider and Perry Competition that's hosted in Grand Rapids in May. Love to have your help if anyone's around. But, uh, uh, yeah, I... Uh, Long-time apple grower, fifth-generation apple grower, and uh, cider was a great way for us to uh, expand our business back uh, at the turn of the century there. So uh, uh, really been kind of a, a great way to uh, 
augment our original farming business. Talk about some of the conversations you have. And the, the Michigan Cider Association here has this wonderful refrigerated trailer with 11, 12 tap handles on it. Talk about some of your interactions, your experiences at CiderCon 2023. Uh, yeah, so we, we brought the draft trailer here. We're trying to drum up support for GlintCap, the, the competition, because we need judges and uh, stewards and other volunteers to help with that. So we figured this is a great way oh, no, to was, uh, get people excited for one to drink cider because we are at a at a fun uh, alcohol like based uh, conference so uh, so we give away a lot of cider for people to uh, maybe get them more uh, interested in talking to each other and stuff and that's one thing that we at Michigan Cider Association really has been wanting to do along with CiderCon is get people in the industry talking to each other to see how we can all improve the whole industry. The great thing, what you've done here, is you're not getting people to just talk to each other. They're tasting with each other. Right. You get feedback, and you get a wonderful immediate response to the ciders that are coming out of Michigan State. Yes, yeah. That's it. And a lot of the growers or the cider makers are actually here, and so they're they're mingling with people that are trying the cider, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great way to talk about the products that we have. Thanks, Mike. And tons of success with the competition coming up it should be a great year for that competition we're hoping so last year we had well over 1100 entries so we're hoping to get maybe 1200 entries this year and uh, uh, we have a great uh, awards program at the end of it that's a lot of fun as well as just informative for somebody looking to attend or enter is there a website they go to? Yep, www.glintcap.org, G-L-I-N-T-C-A-P.org. Thanks, Mike. Yes, thank you. Joe Hollebeck, Brother Monk Cider Works. Joe, talk about your experience at CiderCon 2023. Oh, it's always great. You get to meet a lot of people, get a lot of, meet a lot of the, your fellow Pennsylvania cider makers, get to see them, get to try a bunch of different great ciders, um, always looking for that next big idea, and hopefully you see find some of those. Um, but and then you got the educational workshops where we get to learn, you know, new, better ideas, how to kind of confront some of the problems that we see um, as we're making our ciders. So it's been great. So for anybody that has not heard, you mentioned Pennsylvania cideries. If anybody hasn't heard of Brother Monk, talk a little bit about where you're located. We are located about, uh, say, an hour and a half east of uh, 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 Pittsburgh, a little south of uh, this time of year. I like to say we're south of uh, Punxsutawney and a little north of uh, Johnstown. Uh, We're kind of right in the corner between Indiana County, uh, Cambrian County, and Clearview County. So right kind of in that corner there. What have you learned from this CiderCon? What are you taking away personally? Uh, well, one of the things we do cans, and there's cider has some particular uh, challenges with canning, and we're finding a lot of neat, innovative ways to kind of deal with those challenges. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I've been trying to search out, find, you know, so we can still find a way to put that that cider, keep it great, fresh, the way we just, you know want it to be. And, uh, you know, still be able to give them a nice, stable product that they can enjoy for a long time. Joe, enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks for taking some time to be on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Brian and Olga Dressler, Dressler Estate. We're here at CiderCon 2023. Talk about the experience for you here. You've done the bottle share. You've done the classes. You've been volunteers. Talk about your experience. It's an incredible learning experience. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to talk uh, with cider makers and orchardists and vendors from across the country. Um, Every year, it gets better and better for me. I love the technical aspect of it. You get to meet um, a variety of different experts on any different field. That can include orcharding, that could include um, quality control, good manufacturing practices, uh, great things that can just give you a better operation overall and that can even extend into your social media uh, you know activities as well as uh, sales marketing just really anything that has to do with making cider and selling it um, 
lots of great experiences here. What are some of the things you've learned? What are some of the takeaways for you to go back now to your site of production facility in Downingtown, Pennsylvania? Oh, man. Uh, definitely going to be taking some time to think about the future of the small orchard site that we manage um, in Downingtown outside of the, the borough there. Um, hoping to think about maybe some new varieties um, based on, you know, sort of the challenges that we face in the Pennsylvania region uh, that we're in. Um, definitely, you know, thinking about our expansion, our, our future tap room and plans for that, uh, things that we've learned about equipment, um, processes behind the scenes for that. Um, so definitely got some more research and some planning to do when we get back. <laughs> Brian, I know you're really technical. So are there technical things you've learned or what are some of the things you have learned from this CiderCon? Wow, that's a great one. Um, I really liked the the session on establishing a quality assurance, quality control program. Um, as a small team, my wife Olga and I, we've got a lot of it in our heads, but um, really getting it out of your head and onto paper so that when we scale up and have those employees that need to follow instructions, it's not a verbal thing. Uh, it, it's uh, you know a written program that they can continually reference over time. And these are things that I. Uh, I learned through my engineering career before I launched our cider business, but haven't really gotten around to implementing them as it's uh, really just been the two of us over the past few years. So just that reminder, you know, that that is a need that we'll uh, need to get moving on so that we're ready for those first hires when we bring them on board. Well, I know there's even more stuff to learn. Thanks for taking the time to be back on the podcast. And uh, we look forward to, you're close, so we can't wait to see more delicious stuff coming from Dressler Estate. Cheers. Thank you, Rich. Cheers. Lara Delatore. Now, this is CiderCon 2023. You are a first-time attendee. What's this event been like for you? This has already been, it's only been 48 hours, and it has been such an invaluable experience for me. Um, you know, I'm volunteering um, at the recommendation of Dressler Estate, and it is just everything. I mean, I didn't even expect how great this would be, where I'm talking to people that I never would have met otherwise, um, you know, breaking out of the little bubble of Westchester County, New York that I live in, and talking to people all over the country that have the same passion that I do. So it's very eye-opening, um, very exciting. I'm very happy to be here. What are some of the takeaways you have from this CiderCon? What are you bringing back to that New York area? Definitely bringing back that I don't think I'm living in the right area for cider. Oh, no! Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people that I'm talking to, it's West Coast, it's uh, more northern New York. Um, but I only have six months left on the lease. There is time to move. You know, it's it's just, it's good to know what's out there right now and where people are, um, you know, so I could take next steps. What do you like about cider? What is it about cider for you? Um, I think the biggest thing for me... Um, is that it doesn't have the same foothold that beer or wine have in this country. Um, there's so much opportunity and room to grow and just, you know, forge this completely new industry that people don't really have an understanding of. And I, I, I love that, like being able to be a part of something that's up and coming is very exciting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure out the next avenue that I'm going to take in it. Um, so, yeah, very excited about the future. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for being a guest. This has been great. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you so much. Todd Godbout of Bev Influence, or Bev Fluence. Yes, I love the Bev Influence, Bev Fluence kind of a thing. What is Bev Fluence? So we are a community of content creators. And so our... our um, the principles we're our content creators ourselves so I have a site called Wine Compass my um, partner Justin has his Wizard of Whiskey and after we've gone to such events like this we were like well you know let's create a community where we all can get together and start doing some collaborations so what we do is we match brands and associations with content creators through, through our network we have campaigns we have experiences where we'll go to a certain area and make it all inclusive make it a culinary you know every, any type of craft beverages that's there um, or we do competitions where we do blind tastings and with everything is through our our um, collaborations platform is you can put in you can you'll, you'll go in you'll log in as a judge you'll 
have an alias for the the actual product that you're going to taste, and then you write your notes down. And so we have a blind tasting, and then after the event, you'll look up to see what you tasted, and and actually what the product is, and have links to to the producer and such. And and so this is uh, we're, we're ramping up with the cider campaign right now. Um, and then we're going to have a, what we call Best of Buffluence for 2023. We're, we're basically just going to open it up to all craft, all craft beverages and see what, um, what comes in. And then we'll mix and match the different content creators to that. Fascinating stuff. And this is a great place here at CiderCon for you to meet some providers, some creators, some producers, right? Oh, absolutely. So it, they do a great job um, applying, letting media come in, and then, which was, you know, we both have that. Um, but then there's different associations like the New York Cider Association. We're right here at the Michigan Cider Association. Cider Canada's here. Um, Virginia Cider's here. So there's, there's not only just the brands, but the associations are here. And so you just get great contacts and it also works out when you want to go visit somewhere. You can just call them and say, hey, we met at CiderCom. I want to come to your place. And they're like, sure, right away. So it's just it's a great networking opportunity. Do you have some memories that stand out right now you're taking home with you? Um, well, definitely last night, the New York Cider Association tasting at uh, Buddy Guy's was pretty um, pretty excellent. So that's, that's pretty much the one thing that I will definitely... Richmond last year was... Um, there's a lot of cideries that were right near the convention center. So you could walk to like three or four different cideries. So that was actually a really great part of that one. Well, enjoy the rest of your time here. Thanks for your few minutes. And I'm glad we met and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, thank you. Joshua Seajet, Blake's Hard Cider, CiderCon 2023. How's the CiderCon been for you this year? Uh, it's been really great. First time attendee coming from the beer industry. It's a uh, it's very similar, a little more closer knit though. Uh, uh, the, the market being a little bit smaller, but I can really see where the potential can take this industry as a whole. What are some of the conversations you're having with the attendees, and how is you know you've got this beautiful ice wine? So so talk about how just the reception's been for Blake's and you. So the the ice cider that we produce was I about. Said, I said ice wine, didn't I? Talk. Talk about that ice cider. It's all right. It's all right. So the ice cider, we produced that about four years ago. Uh, and the way that's made is you freeze, you can freeze juice, and as it slowly melts, you can siphon off the concentrate. So it's just con constituting that juice into a higher brick so you can get uh, a higher ABV off the fermentation. Um, but other than that, uh, one of our newer varietals, a single variety Golden Russet, we just came out with this week. We also have another one, uh, Golden Rush, that will be coming out relatively soon as well. Try, even though the market right now is really ran by uh, the sweet Americanized ciders, which is okay, but that allows me to do more, more, more fun single variety, uh, drier stuff. So it's been great, though. A lot of good conversations, uh, like I said, coming from the beer industry. Uh, definitely a new beast, but a nice challenge that I'm looking forward to. Memories, takeaways, experiences you've had from this CiderCon? Absolutely. Uh, honestly, the amount of cider I've tried this weekend is the most I've ever had at any time. And I've actually found a good few that, I've, that I really do enjoy. Joshua, thank you so much for your time. Sean and Malika Tyson, you guys are with Cider Psalms, right? That's correct. Now, we're here at CiderCon 2023. You've been recognized. You won an award. Talk about your award. So we were really honored to win an award for significant impact given to us by the ACA board. And it was about advancing diversity in the industry and also bringing new cider drinkers into the world of cider. Yeah, we... Um worked really hard with the ACA board. We volunteer on the anti-racism, diversity, and inclusion uh, board. And it's really just to bring uh, awareness to people of color that, you know, cider is for everyone and that it's a place that's welcoming, it's open. It was that way for us when we first got started. And we love the environment, the community, and we want to introduce everyone else and have them come in and feel the same way we feel. Cider, it's, it's so, it crosses so many boundaries, but what is it do you think as far as in the black community about hey I'm not quite sure about cider what is it about that that you find in your conversations exposure just the lack of exposure to a lot of different ciders the ones that are, tend to be available are the more uh, larger commercial cideries and so people just haven't had a chance to taste the diversity of cider and understand 
that they can be very similar to other beverages that they like, like wine. So we compare ciders to wine for a lot of wine drinkers and let them know not every wine grape tastes the same, so not every cider is going to be the same. One of the things that we notice is in the marketing, um, you tend to look for people that look like you. And as you go through websites, you, you tend to notice that the uh, pictures that are on websites mostly sh don't show people of color. And so when you're doing that and you're looking, you start to get the feeling that this product isn't for me. I don't see myself represented here. And so you start to get that feeling. And so, like I said, that's one of the things that we want to try to bring in and say, hey, we all drink cider. You should drink cider. It's for you. It's for everyone. And so you should enjoy it. What is catching? for my interaction with the both of you is your stewards. You have this energy, this it's infectious, that you love cider and you want everybody to love cider. But I think the idea of being that caretaker to a community, that's huge for you guys. Definitely, definitely. Um, we're all about community, and, and one of the things that we really try to do is to bring cider around to you know our community. We live on the south side of Chicago, um, and while we can travel and visit a lot of places that have cider on the north side, we really want to bring the community to our community, where we're at, and, and just have everyone enjoy cider all throughout Chicago. There are cideries in Chicago that you can visit, but there are also uh, bottle shops around different parts of the, the city that you can you can try cider one of the biggest um Binnie's that's most active the cider is on the south side of Chicago so it's, it's actually an evergreen park so further south so you know it's, it's for everyone and just bringing that community together is really like you said is really what we want to do and it's what's important to us uh, I agree with everything Sean said <laughs> where all right so so you've reached a place of recognition and you've done a lot of work as you look towards the next year what would you like to accomplish in 2023? Um, actually, it's just more education. You know, one of the great things about coming to CiderCon, uh, especially when we get to interact with the new attendees, is that um, they're really excited to come and learn about cider, um, to meet people in cider, and just to uh, continue to learn so that they can expand cider to everyone. And so from us coming uh, from a consumer perspective and coming from the outside and looking in, we really love the fact that people are starting to have a passion like we have that really want to know more about cider and learn about cider. And along with that, you'll follow our mission, which is to recognize how cider is uh, comparable to wine and because they're made similarly. And so now you can expand your palate with cider. You can expand your palate with, uh, with wine. But really, it's just that education. We really just want to spend more education, put more education out to people so that everyone can understand cider, appreciate it for what it is, and enjoy it. Thank you. So um, we do have some new things coming for 2023. And so we're going to kind of refocus the blog and the website. But we really are going to try and help build this community and help people find resources, have access, kind of like an access point of, like for all of these new people coming into the space of who can I reach out to, how can I be connected, and how can I feel included and welcomed. Now, how are you able to also bring together White Sox fans and Cubs fans in this city? Is that possible? I still don't know. Maybe you just sit them down with cider. I agree. Everybody loves a drink. We can settle all problems over a nice glass of cider. How do people find you if they want to go to that blog or go to your website? So the best way to find us is on Instagram at at CiderSoms, one M, so C-I-D-E-R-S-O-M-S. -S. Um, you can always DM us, send us a message. We're always active on there and connect. Sean and Malika, congratulations again on what you're achieving and bringing to the Cider community. Enjoy the rest of the show and we'll keep an eye out for all the great things you're doing to bring everybody into Cider. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Emily Ritchie, Northwest Cider Association, CiderCon 2023. Talk about what this convention has meant to you and the Northwest Cider Association. This has been a really wonderful homecoming, basically. I haven't been to a CiderCon since 2020. I mean, we did virtual, and it has been so nice to see the human beings who make cider as an industry across the world really come together. And it's been really a homecoming. We've been able to talk about cider. We've been able to drink cider together and just 
you know, whether we're talking industry or talking about how our kids are, it's been really satisfying to see everyone. Talk about just the growth in the last year. I know we've come out of the pandemic, not a lot of traveling, but the growth in the last year for the Northwest Cider Association. It's actually been really great. Uh, Northwest local brands in uh, the Pacific Northwest have grown 30% over the last year. So uh, the pandemic really hit a a lot of us really hard in 2020 and 2021. Um, But generally, we're seeing folks come back. Not everyone's profits are really back to the 2019 year. I would say most people are not, but we're seeing the, the sales increase again. And I feel really hopeful for the industry to be able to totally get out of this um, in one piece, hopefully. <laughs> or, you know, the idea that now as a region, as a cider producing region, people are able to find the ciders that you produce there through the Northwest Cider Club. Yeah, that was definitely a a benefit of the pandemic, if benefit is the right word. But um, we had to pivot. We weren't doing in-person events. We weren't doing festivals. And so we had to look at ways of getting cider into people's hands. And um, access is so hard. You know, it's hard to know what bottle shop to go to or what uh, grocery store, even what restaurant that's going to carry the cider style that you like. And uh, so we created the Northwest Cider Club so that we could just ship it to people's doors and make it easy. And we're the premier regional cider club in the country. We ship six to 10 different brands in each box, depending on the the level of club that you buy. And um, it's really helped our cider makers find fans outside of our region. And those like you who buy the club, it's so fun to be able to get stuff that you definitely can't find in your local market. Any memories, anything you're taking back to uh, the Northwest Cider Association from this CiderCon? So many memories. Um, it's just been really nice in the, the downtime, you know, at lunch or over breakfast to reconnect with someone I haven't seen in a long time or um, I've met a lot of new folks. I've even seen newer cideries from my own region that I don't get to see very much. There's a new cider bar opening in Seattle called Slightly Furry um, and now I'm following them on Instagram. I'm, I'm really excited to see the industry come back. Well, we can't wait to see Portland in 2024 for CiderCon as the host region for CiderCon. It's going to be so fun. Not only will there be a lot of industry events, but we're going to bring back Oregon Cider Week, and it will be nine days of fun. We're including two weekends in that. It's the week of uh, January 15th, 2024, where we'll have a ton of evening events. We'll have dinner pairings. We'll have field trips. We'll have uh, special tastings. So it's going to be a boondoggle for sure. Well, there's a little more CiderCon 2023 left to go. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for being a friend of Fermented Adventure. And we love opening our box every every couple of months uh, to see what uh, has been put, put in there for ciders. It's just amazing. Thanks so much for supporting these small makers. It really means a lot. And I'm so glad to see you guys in person here. I know. We're one of those pandemic friends. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thanks.